Well, good evening, LCM. Tonight is Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020, and we're going to continue with our series on uh, metamorphosis. Somebody say metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. As we were thinking about that process, the process of metamorphosis, we thought about this one fact that it's never a painless process. It's never an easy process. When you're thinking about it in the, in the animal world, you got to talk about when an animal is shedding an external, some type of exoskeleton. That's never a pleasant process. How much more is it for us when we're trying to shed and renew and have the metamorphosis of God in an internal nature that works its way out in us? Come on, somebody say metamorphosis today. Metamorphosis. You know, this process of metamorphosis is going to require a few things, right? It's going to require you to hemorrhage Haman. You got to slice out some saw, man. You got to stick a needle in Nimrod. Ouch. You got to jab the Joab. You got to put him to death. We literally have to exercise every element of the dead and dying sinful nature just as we pledge at the moment of our salvation. It's just as crucial to crucify our sinful nature now as it was the day that we were first in love with Jesus. Look, we are living in truly historic times. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. I mean, I haven't seen a mustache as excellent as Spencer McLean since the 80s. Martha, you remember Tom Selleck on TV? We got him sitting right here in the service. <laughs> in... Uh, other truly historic moments, I want y'all to know that I walked my dog today, and I didn't even break my feet. I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling presidential tonight. Yes. So we've been talking to you about all kind of things. I'd like to start with Joab. Who remembers Joab from Sunday? Oh yeah. Like every called disciple, we start like Joab. It's, there's no way around it. It's seen in the way that we have a, a calling and a desire in ministry, but we also have our own perverse prerogatives, our own preferences, the kind of things that we perform without submitting to the prince of princes. Yeah? Y'all feel that yet? Church, Joab is seen every time we actually begin to compare ourselves to another of the king's servants. And y'all are all nodding and shaking your heads. See, Joab is seen absolutely every time where you compare yourself, whether favorably or unfavorably, with one of God's servants here in this place. It's also seen, that Joab nature is seen in the way that we prefer outward success to any amount of inward growth that we have. Those things that allow other people to be able to say, hey, man, you're doing great over the internal progress that God is causing us and wanting for us today. Some other areas where we see Joab are seen in the volatility of our relationships with those around us. I mean, everywhere you go, every relationship you have, friend becomes foe. And you're constantly exuding those Joab-like tendencies. They also are seen in our insecurities. Nobody has any of those, right? Are you talking about me? Yes, yes. Oh, we're, I'm preaching to the mirror tonight. I am definitely preaching to me, and I'm preaching to you too. What our insecurities do is that 
they reveal that Joab-like nature inside of us. And it leads to something. It goes from insecurities to insurrections. Where you're defying and going against every level of authority that God has placed in your life. There's only one solution for Joab. Y'all remember what it was? Crucifixion. Joab has to die at the altar of the Lord. Look, it's not a one-time action. It's uh, we, we take up our cross daily. Amen? Amen. We'll read to you from 1 Kings 2, 34. So Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, went up and struck down Joab and killed him. And he was buried at his home out in the country. The man who is built by God, that's what Benaiah means. The man created by the righteous father, like Jehoiada, is about the business of his father. And he's always putting Joab to death. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Church, this is happening daily in this place. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Amen. It's happening daily. You, the men and women in this room who are built by God, just like Benaiah, you're putting to death the Joab areas of your own heart. Those Joab tendencies that you're finding in your own families, that you're finding in your children and in the generations that comes before you. This is a place that, has, that is full of Benaiahs who are putting to death the Joab-like nature. Amen. Oh, this place is full of Benaiahs. Are you guys Benaiahs? Come on, you started acting like Benaiah when you were burying Joab at your baptism. Yeah. I mean, you were drowning him in that death. Yeah. You continue to bury him daily, and he will not make the resurrection. Come on. <laughs> he is not going to appear with the righteous. He is going to stay buried in that grave where Benaiah put him in the first place. After we covered the stage of Joab, the cycle of Joab, do you remember his brother, where we went next? What was his name? Abishai. Abishai starts out much like Joab. Same genetics, same upbringing, same family attachments, same sinful preferences. But his failures, they don't detract from his loyalty. No. They actually convince him that he needs to be committed to be shepherded. Yeah. Yeah. Abishai is one of the most beautiful stages in the Bible. Yeah. Abishai is such an incredible figure in the Word. The Bible tells us that Abishai was more likely and inclined to ask for permission, proving that he wanted to get it right. Do we have any Abishais in the house who just want to get yes. this right? Amen. You're not worried about what it looks like. You're not in that Joab stage. You want to get this right. Church, Abishai was more concerned that his leader's influence not be diminished. Yeah. He was not worried about what it looked like for him, but what might happen to his great king if he did not lay his life on the line. Oh. We are raising yeah. up some Abishais in this house. Yeah. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Well, Abishai cared more about the life of his king and the kingdom than that of his very own. That he was, his life was a, about preserving the kingdom and the reputation of it. While Abishai was a brother to Joab, he functioned as a son of the king and was shepherded by him his whole life. In fact, let me read to you 2 Samuel 23, verse 18. Abishai. The brother of Joab, son of Zeruiah, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed. And so he became as famous as the three. Was he not held in greater honor than the three? He became their commander, even though he was not included among them. Mm. 
Look, because you love to be shepherded and you don't care about titles, the Lord will hold you in honor in his kingdom. That's what you have to look forward to. Somebody say amen. Amen. The man that wants to be shepherded is worth more than 300 who are simply self-righteous servants. You want the direction of the Lord in your life. Amen. Look, we've had to acknowledge that it's true that all of us, we've got some Joab in there. But it's also true that we have Abishai growing in our lives. Amen. In fact, every time we see an area of failure, it only strengthens our resolve to be shepherded. This is proven every time we move forward to crucify Joab and be shepherded in the will of God. We're in the process of, ma- of transformation, yeah. a metamorphosis. Amen. Church, after Joab and then Abishai, our third cycle of discipleship, who was that? Ittai. See, Ittai is always the goal in every area, in every age, in every stage that you're in. Ittai is what we're shooting for. Ittai was once in the enemy camp. But he saw the victory of the Davidic king over the monstrous Goliath. There was something that was drawing him because of God's work. So much so that Ittai left his own country. He left his own people. He even left his father's household to join in the inheritance of the land of Israel. What a special, special man that Ittai is. Ittai was a wholehearted kind of brother. I mean, you couldn't identify a difference a discrepancy between David's desires and his own. Not one time in the scripture is it recorded that Ittai's heart differed from that of David's. So therefore it shows that Ittai had a heart after God, just like David did. Ittai was never involved in an insurrection. Ittai was never on the wrong side of his leadership. Ittai never expressed not one time in the Bible that his will was different than the king of Israel. Ittai's such a goal. Ittai left all previous agendas behind him in Philistia. Ittai saw it as just a privilege as a foreigner to be included in the family of God. Ittai's the goal we're shooting for. I want to read to you from 2 Samuel 15, 21. But Ittai replied to the king, As surely as the Lord lives, and as my Lord the King lives, wherever my Lord the King may be, whether it means life or death, there your servant will be. David said to Ittai, go ahead and march on. So Ittai the Gittite marched on with all his men and the families that were with him. Look, there are at least two notable things that you have to take away from Ittai because we're going to teach you a lot more tonight. Number one, he pledged and made good on his life or death belonging to the king. Everybody says it, but Ittai lived it. Yeah, that's that's huge. You ready for the second one? Ittai brought his family and all his men along with him church we're going to do both amen we're in the process of metamorphosis amen come on a metamorphosis tonight we're going to talk about a metamorphosis that causes a suffering unto glory 
What a special, special thing that we have here because we're experiencing a metamorphosis. The process of changing from an immature state to one of maturity. Come on, isn't that a good direction for us to be going towards maturity in every area? Churches, you might have already guessed because you guys are Bible scholars of the highest caliber. Jesus demonstrates the process of metamorphosis into immortality in a way that compels us to move forward in his footsteps. We're going to get to show you something tonight that's beautiful. You don't find this in a book somewhere. We surely didn't look on YouTube and we surely didn't email the Vatican to see what they might have to say about it. See, because we're going after actual metamorphosis in our life, and the Lord is helping us. Can you feel him helping us tonight? Can you feel that in the air tonight? I love this place. I love the fact that we're in kind of church. I'm seeing Chris Reyesora back there. I love the fact that we're the kind of church that Chris Reyesora gives a word in prophecy that he needs for himself, but he gave it for everybody else tonight. Come on now, this, uh, that's a metamorphosis that's happened inside of somebody's life. I love it. Amen. Well, it's encouraging to see as a pastor how our church is maturing, and we're going through this process of metamorphosis. Well, one of the things that we want to begin to, to lay out for you in understanding where we're going is that during the time of Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, King David writes the book of Psalms by the Spirit of Christ that helps us to understand this process of metamorphosis even better. Aren't you all glad that we have the Spirit of Christ helping us understand what he wants us to know? Yeah. Well, turn with us to Psalm 22 as we examine the path of the suffering king. As you get to Psalm 22, remember its historical setting. This is in the life of David. This is during the time period that he had three commanders of Israel's army. He had Joab, he had Abishai, and he had Ittai. The king knows exactly what he's doing. Now, as we read Psalm 22, remember something. David is speaking, but it's the Spirit of Christ speaking through him, and it would become even more true of Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, David, as the king of Israel, never faced crucifixion. And yet he prophesies through the Spirit about his hands and feet being pierced. The capital punishment in Israel is stoning. So he was never facing crucifixion, but was in touch enough with the Lord, the spirit of the king of Israel, to teach us the path that must be walked and the path that Christ would demonstrate for us. Are you ready for it? Psalm 22 in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Church, this is directly quoted by Jesus as he's on the cross. This was written approximately 1,000 years before Christ is on the cross. And here he is quoting directly. It's quoted in Matthew 27 and verse 46. When what is happening seems to be unfair seems to be unjust or not right. Jesus set the example by submitting to the Father unto death. Everybody say unto death. Unto Unto death. death. This is the perfect solution to Joab in our lives. Unto death, we must put him in the place of being crucified. Look, you have to imagine David writing this and then Jesus living this. When Jesus seemed to not understand... 
said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or when the will of the Father required something that the flesh of any human being would want to disagree with. Any of you woke up this morning and wanted 40 lashes? Our suffering king shows us how to crucify it. It starts with the will of God above your will. The will of your shepherds above your will. The will of God comes first, which requires your will to be crucified. Psalm 22 begins to lay that out, and it is an answer for the Joab inside of us. Let's take a look at verse 7 together. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. You, you, should, you should catch what they're saying here. They're mocking. They're insulting. Isn't that the worst kind of insult sometimes when somebody just looks at you and goes, not even worth the words. What are they saying here? See, this entire that he trusts in the Lord, let the Lord rescue him. This is also quoted by Jesus. Also quoted in Matthew 27 and in verses 43 and 44, this is what is being said about this very psalm. Jesus is living this out. He's feeling those insults that are hurled at him. He's seeing the mocking going on, and he's quoting this again from Psalm 22. What Jesus is living out is the answer of how we deal with Joab. We must crucify our Joab feelings about how things should be done. That entitled expectation that wants to raise up an insurrection. And we must begin to trust the Lord to deliver us and to rescue us. See, Joab couldn't. But the thing is, Jesus did. We have a model right before us. Amen. Do you love our suffering king? Yes. Because we're called to walk in his footsteps. Look, I couldn't help but uh, think through this. When Joab is being crucified, I mean, the... The Joab-like nature is being crucified. Those with Joab in their hearts, because they're not being crucified, they mock you. You're doing what they can't do, so they have to hate you for it. They tend to do things like call you a cult. No way. They build websites that have a domain name out of jealousy because they can't replicate, they can't duplicate, They can't even imitate the actual crucifixion that they're seeing in you. So Joab has a reaction to seeing Joab die. He doesn't like it. It says something about him. What I want to tell you is don't be discouraged by this. They, those uh, other Joabs, (laughs) they're actually hurtling you forward. They're actually pushing you into metamorphosis. Because they're helping you identify with the way that Messiah actually gets treated. It's helping you to recognize what Joab looks like. This is the triumph of a suffering king. The triumph of that king and it becomes our triumph as well. We get to watch Joab die at the hands of other Joabs. It reminds you why you don't want to stay Joab, doesn't it? Now that is, should be the most encouraging thing that you've heard in a long time. This idea that we see the model from our suffering king. 
that as these other Joabs are hurling insults at you, they're, they're mocking you in everything that you do. How could you do that? How could you go there? How could you do what you do? <laughs> it's because my suffering king did it. And I know that you these are working out his righteousness inside of us. Let's look at verse 14. God, the triumph of our suffering king begins to shape how you look at every difficulty, every moment of mocking. You're able to see it. Look what happens in verse 14 and 15. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It is melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust. Church, when that, when that Joab on the inside of you feels completely poured out, when the Joab in you has a heart that is melted like wax, when the Joab in you feels dry, I want to tell you something important. That these are not hindrances to you. These feelings are not the hindrance to you that you think they are. They're actually a propellant. They are propelling you in your metamorphosis forward. It's the very agent that allows and brings about the change that you need in your life. We want to get the change some other way. But it is through these moments. It is through crucifying these. It's through understanding the nature of our suffering king that you are able and propelled in your metamorphosis. That word propel just stands out to me for some reason. I'm not really sure why. May have something to do with my mezuzah. What that encourages me personally, that I want to encourage you, is that when you are facing these kind of situations, lift your heads up and realize that God is changing you. He's propelling you forward. He's causing you to go through the process of metamorphosis. I'm going from being immature to mature because I'm following the path of my suffering king. Yeah, there should be a better amen for that. Let, let me tell you why, why there's not, okay? I would just be really honest. I'm learning. I'm sure you're learning through this process. We tend to view these things as necessary evils that we must endure, and we hope to do them well. Is that true? The thing is, is we're going to have to learn to view them as the very propelling thing that is yeah. causing us to become like Christ. Amen. They're not necessary evils to be endured. They are the path of Messiah Amen. that is causing your metamorphosis. That small change is going to shape your next 10 years and how you view every crisis that comes into your life, every hardship. You're going to stop asking yourself if you've done something to offend God or why are bad things happening to you. And you're going to start going, wow, he's propelling me into the very image of God. Yes. Now, if Nathan and Gad show up outside your house with a word that say, this happened to you because you sinned, then of course, repent. But these are necessary hardships in our life to walk the path of the suffering king. Yeah. It's how we get the Joab out of us. Amen. Let's look at verse 16. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Do you remember what Pastor said? That's not even a type of capital punishment that Israel was familiar with at the time that it was written. But it shows you how in touch King David was with the Lord. Yeah. 
I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and they cast lots for my clothing. Church, these are all events from the crucifixion of Christ. You can see it yet again. They're quoted in Matthew 27 and verse 35. Look, dogs surrounded Jesus, and dogs surround anyone who wants to walk in the path of Jesus. If it happened to him, it's going to happen to you. But I need you to see this in the right light. This is not a hindrance. These are actually things that are aiding you in the process of metamorphosis. You need to be able to pick up your head and say, yeah, you're surrounding me. Bring it on in, baby. Circling a little bit tighter. Broken arrow. Just drop it right here. I am watching the change of God, the transformation of what's happening inside of me. And I am able to lift up my head and rejoice because it's happening. This allows you to identify every ounce of Joab in you that doesn't want the will of God so that you can crucify it and get rid of it. Look, that dividing the garments thing, I don't know how that strikes you, but it struck me this way. Jesus was clothed in the accomplishments of his father, and we are clothed in the revelation Jesus gave us. When dogs won't walk in the divine path of crucifixion, they seek to divide up the revelation as if it were their own. They like the success of the revelation without the suffering of the crucifixion that causes their own character to grow. So they end up quoting you without quoting you. They end up teaching your things without living like you lived. And you know what? This is not a hindrance. Come on now. <laughs> They're actually aiding us. Amen. They're showing us how to crucify Amen. every last ounce of Joab in us. This is the triumph of the suffering king. You get to look and say, nevertheless, I'm in the love of the Father. Amen. That's so encouraging. Church, we're going to move on, and we're going to move into Psalm 23, which is the shepherding king in the next portion of our metamorphosis. Everybody's in Psalm 23 now. Come on, let's look at verse 1. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Now, let's take this just for a moment as we're going through Psalm 23 tonight. Let's pretend like we haven't heard it 10,000 times. Can I, pretend- can I be honest? For Is it okay with y'all if I'm honest? I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to say this, but I say a lot of things pastors aren't supposed to say. I never liked Psalm 23. I, I, I couldn't identify with it. It was so familiar and overquoted and underlived and all of the that when I heard it, I honestly thought of funny movies where people were quoting it. This psalm has exploded in my heart and mind in a way I've never understood it before, and we hope it does for you tonight too. Because when you see the progression from a suffering king to a shepherding king and the reasons why, suddenly this is not weird King James language that's for some reason survived into the NIV. You, you hopefully will be able to grab hold of it in a new way. Okay. Verse 1 again, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in want. What an amazing statement, church. From a man who was constantly in difficult circumstances. He was constantly in warlike and difficult situations. 
But see, church, after the Joab in you is crucified, then the Abishai, he's able to rise up. And what he does is he rises in faith to see the benefits of shepherding in every area of his life. Church, we are growing. We're growing in our metamorphosis and have learned that our problems are never from a lack in our shepherding king. Let me say that one more time. Our problems are never from a lack in our shepherding king. He is always there, able to provide that every difficulty allowed into our lives by our shepherd is simply there to aid in our metamorphosis. Everybody say aid. Aid. The Abishai in us knows that he lacks nothing except the increasing desire to be shepherded. That I shall not be in want because I had the shepherding king residing over me. See, Abishai is not insecure like Joab. He doesn't have to fight like Joab fought. He doesn't have to murder his friends like Joab did because Abishai realizes everything that he needs is being given to him in the process by a shepherd. Abishai really has uh, put to death selfish ambition, which of course causes every evil practice found among us. So we really are excited that you're moving into the Abishai stage. Amen? Let's read verse 2 because this gets really cool. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. To be honest, I had to engage with this a little bit to kind of get there, right? The man following the shepherding king and the shepherds given by that king, they never lack green pastures. But what are green pastures biblically? You will never lack the provision of the word in the spirit. You're going to live in the life-giving nature of the kingdom in every area of your life because you are being properly shepherded. That's what green pastures are about. But the verse says more than that. The man who is following the shepherding king and the shepherds given by this king never lacks in being led beside quiet waters. Well, just, just thinking about that for a second. It's one thing for it to be quiet on the outside. What does it take for us to get quiet on the inside? See, this shepherded man will be led into the shalom of our great shepherding king. Now look, you, you guys are here and I want, it's important to us as your pastors that you're connecting with this in the right kind of way. Anybody need to know that he is your shepherd and you won't be lacking anything. Does anybody need to know that? Is anybody worried about not having what you need, not having the right word? See, we've got a great shepherd and king and he takes care of that. Then he leads us to green pastures and leads you into a shalom. Those who are shepherded are led into the shalom of our great shepherded king. This shalom will guard your heart. It will guard your mind. And it will surely and completely and in every situation transcend that, that heart of Joab that we have in us. This is an incredible peace that God gives. So let's talk practically for a second about what that looks like. Joab will have to fight for the things that Joab wants. Uh, to get his promotion. To get the date with the girl that he wants. To get... The position in church that he wants. Joab will do all of those things. But Abishai is resting in the fact that his shepherding king 
is leading him into the things. So he never has to pick up a girl in the church. He would never have to do something like that. Abishai would never have to fight to make sure his name was recognized. That's all Joab stuff. That was crucified in Psalm 22. In Psalm 23, these great benefits of green pastures, provision, the great benefits of these still waters is you don't have to have that turbulence going on inside you where you're sitting trying to play it cool because the truth is, is you've been thinking and, and, and scheming on all kind of things you shouldn't be doing. See, Abishai, shepherd and king, leads you right out of that so that your outside and your inside can match. The New Testament writers pick up on this more times than, than one. Most of the time when you hear a shocking statement like, uh, I don't permit a woman to speak, but she must be quiet, you, you really need to look into it always, always. There's a Hebrew background that is you need to quiet your inside and not fight on the outside for your point of view. Yeah. That's what he's teaching. Certainly, if you can prophesy in church, you don't have to be silent in church. It always has to do with being shepherded, okay? And that's what Abishai does for us is this psalm will teach you how to walk in the life you actually want but could never get by Joab's manipulation. Come on. Come on. Joab's manipulation left uh, some burnt fields behind him, right? Everywhere he went, he set, set something on fire. But not so with Abishai. See, Abishai's barley, it doesn't burn because he's constantly looking to be shepherded by the shepherd king. He knows and is able to trust that his shepherding king will provide for him at all times. Let's look further in verse 3. Verse 3 says, he restores my soul. Woo, did it for me tonight Come in on. worship. You, you, you realize that the shepherding king is able to restore your soul as many times a day as you need him to? You wake up in the morning like I do, you need, I need him to restore my soul. Get me out of hangry and into the Holy Ghost. And throughout the day, I need the shepherding king to lead me. This is Abishai at work within us. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So he, the shepherding king and the shepherds given by this king, will bring restoration to our souls. This is good news. It's a promise. It's a certainty that will happen. The Abishai in you is constantly tended to so that he walks constantly in restoration. Look, what this constant shepherding does is it frees you of insecurity and fear. You're able to be guided and led, shepherded into paths of righteousness. You don't have to prove anything. The whole point is is that you're becoming more than you are. So if we find an area that you're less than, Amen. We found an area that you are improving today. I mean, that, that is so freeing to not have to be perfect, but to be on your way there. Remember, Abishai was committed to being shepherded. He only cared about David's namesake. Now, I say that because verse 3 says he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We're not being shepherded for any reason other than his name's sake so that we represent him well church i'm proud to say that because you've been committed to this kind of path i mean 
Honestly, who in here hasn't been corrected? Raise your hand and we'll correct you. <laughs> because you've been committed to this kind of path, you can be assured that you will not lack guidance and restoration. He will restore your soul and he will guide you. This is what an active relationship with the Lord looks like. It's just that most don't actually have one. Let's take a look at verse 4 together. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Church, the, the shadow of death is no threat to a shepherded man. It only illuminates his actual metamorphosis and his actual growth. See, why does the shepherded man fear no evil? Because he's never alone. <laughs> because the shepherding king is with you when you are with him. Church, because you are being shepherded, you will never fail to have courage in the midst of a dark hour. Amen. Your courage is a sign. It is representative that your shepherding king is standing with you. Because you are being shepherded, you will not lack confidence that brings comfort. Isn't it good whenever God's word and spirit are in agreement inside of us? God's word and his spirit and agreement inside of your pastors and elders that are then comforting you, that give you that confidence and courage to do the last thing that the, the Lord told you to do. This is what it looks like for our shepherding king to lead us. Amen. Let's pick up in verse 5. You prepare, or if you prefer, thou preparest. <laughs> you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I want you to notice that the shepherded man is not free from difficulties or enemies. Rather, the shepherding king uses those difficulties and enemies to aid in the metamorphosis. Yeah. See, the shepherd knows what is good to bring into your life and what's not. It doesn't mean that the thing is good. It means that the result of the thing yeah. will be good. Yeah. Jesus Christ as a man was anointed to lead Israel, but it overflowed to the world. He's anointed shepherds to lead you, but it overflows to the world around us. You are anointed and your cup overflows to the world. This is all the product of being under a shepherding king. Church, because you are dedicated to being shepherded, you're not going to lack protection. You're not going to lack preservation. You're not going to lack having an eternal honor because you are dedicated to the shepherding king. And because of that, you will walk in the fullness of the blessing of this shepherded house. You get the full blessing that's there for you. Your cup will surely overflow. Verse 6. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The certainty is that goodness and love follow the Abishai inside of you because you are following the shepherd king who is full of goodness and love. See, Jesus is the shepherd in charge of the house of the Lord. He has given you shepherds who are in charge of this house of the Lord. And the shepherd of man is always able to dwell in the house of the Lord, providing what the shepherding king provides. I love that in this house, Looking out at your faces, you're dedicated to being shepherded. Yeah. In fact, we're picked on because of it. People think uh, they can go be discipled by Jesus without a man being involved. 
we'll see what kind of Fruit Loops grow on that tree. <laughs> you have divine favor in your earthly life. You're going to experience divine favor in the kingdom of God when your life is over. Men that can recognize and work within the shepherding structure, these are men that have crucified Joab and that are alive to Abishai. It means that your toxic self-governance is gone, and all you really want is to get it right. That's the goal. It's, it's not about control. It's about crucifixion. Yeah. And uh, this is the path of Messiah. Church, Abishai was as guilty as Joab. But. But. But the shepherded king guided him, and Abishai accepted that guidance. That really is the biggest difference here. David and Jesus are both models of pastors in this regard. And we're so proud of the metamorphosis that's going on in this room. Those of you who are putting the Joab nature to death and you are rising in faith like Abishai, allowing the correction, allowing the direction that God has provided for you as the great shepherd. See, do you want to know where this metamorphosis is taking us? It's taking us right to Ittai. Come on. Come on. Oh, it is. Listen, we want to remind you of something. Psalm 22 was the suffering king. Everybody say suffering king. Suffering king. And answers the Joab inside of us. Psalm 23 was the shepherding king. Everybody say shepherding king. Shepherding, shepherding king. And informs the Abishai inside of us. Now, Psalm 24 is the superior king. Say superior king. Superior, superior king. king. And the superior king encourages the Ittai inside of us. So everybody go to Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Come on, engage this verse for a minute. You probably wouldn't disagree with anything in it, but Joab would, because a lot in the world belongs to Joab. You probably wouldn't disagree with anything in it, but Joab did disagree with it. His character showed it. We've moved on from Joab to be shepherded like Abishai, and our goal is to arrive at Ittai. Check this out. We are aliens and foreigners in a world that belongs to our God. That destroys entitlement. Yeah. That gets rid of self-rule. This allows us to experience the superior kingship of Jesus because we know that we are not entitled to anything. Come on, did you hear that, church? You're not entitled to anything. And, but because we're not entitled to anything, because we've been crucified and are being shepherded, the superior king gives us everything. Amen. <laughs> There's the secret. You lose your life and you find life. Amen. Let's look at verse 3. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. Church, the Ittai in us has fully dedicated his heart and hands to the superior king. Amen. They're fully submitted to, to the superior king's leading. This allows us to stand, therefore, in a holy place with a holy God. Amen. Isn't it good to be standing in a holy place with a holy God? This means that our minds, 
our will, our emotions, what the Bible here refers to as a soul. They're no longer in Philistia. Philistia doesn't have a hold on Ittai anymore. Yes. We left it behind to follow a suffering king who became our shepherding king. And now we're arriving at a place where that has no hold on us and we see him as the superior king. That is the goal of discipleship. That is what we're aiming at. And that's a goal that many of you are beginning to touch on and we're proud of you for it. This is why Ittai sees and receives the superior kingship of David in his time. We start as aliens and foreigners. We give up our land, our people, our family, everything, and say, all of my desires, all of it is crucified. Then you walk being shepherded, and you start to find out you don't lack anything because he's a really good shepherd. Yeah. And then you start to see him as a superior king in every way. David wrote these three psalms back to back while looking at Joab, Abishai, and Ittai. Same time period. Let's take a look at verse 5 and 6 together. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Now, the truth is, church, is that Ittai doesn't need vindication. See, remember, the attacks have aided the metamorphosis. But in the end, the superior king vindicates him nonetheless because Ittai is wholehearted with this superior king. Amen. Church, when we've crucified Joab's idolatrous self-determination, self-determination. See, when we've been shepherded into the king's will, then we see the face of the superior king, the God of Jacob. This is an incredible truth for us, church. Church, your blessings and your vindications, they will be yours. They will be ours in Christ precisely because we don't seek after them. What we seek after is we seek his face and the vindications and blessing are what our great superior king gives in response to a heart that, that is like Ittai. So Joab has a call. He sees it. He wants it. And he will kill and covet to get it. But Ittai recognizes he's not entitled to anything. And so Ittai is standing here and because he only wants to see the king's face. He gets everything else anyway. Man, if we could learn that, you don't have to fight for a position. You certainly don't need to elevate yourself or make yourself seem more important than you are. That's, that's buried in Joab. You've been shepherded out of that kind of behavior. Now, really, all we want is the king's face, and you'll get everything that his heart ever desired for you anyway. Come on, when we're walking in that Ittai, it causes us to, us to lift up our heads. Come on, everybody, lift up your heads. I'm going to read verse 7 to you. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Yeah. 
The metamorphosis from Joab's call to be crucified to Abishai's commitment to be shepherded have positioned the Ittai inside of you to receive the king of glory in the way that very few people actually do. <laughs> but it, it leads us to focus on something. Why is the Lord strong and mighty? Because he helped you crucify every divergent agenda, every insurrection birthed out of insecurity. It is him who exercised his strength and his might to put Joab to death inside of you. Why is the Lord mighty in battle? Because he shepherded you through every dangerous valley between where you were and where you're at now. Yeah. Why do you lift up your heads and invite the king of glory in? Because you weren't entitled to anything. And the superior king Amen. has transformed you in his kingdom. Amen. Come on now, that's a good word for us tonight. Let's look at verse 9. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. Church, we want to remind you, we want to make sure that it's clear for you that Ittai knows the king of glory in a way that very, very few people do. Having crucified all things for Christ, having been shepherded through every valley that you wanted to avoid, the king is now superior in all things to you. And you have gone through a metamorphosis to begin to resemble exactly who he is. Look, we're 49 minutes in, and we're hitting our target. It's rainy outside. A lot of us are sick. starting to get a little cold. Can I hint at a few things that are coming for you for a minute? You've been through Joab, Abishai, and Ittai. You've just heard Psalm 22, the suffering king. Psalm 23, the shepherding king. Psalm 24, the superior king. We're going to walk you through Revelation 5 in the coming weeks. You're going to see a lamb looking as if he had been slain. He's going to triumph and be the superior king of the universe. Then you're going to notice in Revelation 6 that a select few who have been slain are now dressed in the righteousness of Christ. Then you're going to see in Revelation 7 that now a multitude from every nation has followed in his footsteps and arrived at what he is. If we have time, we'll even get to Revelation 19, and you'll see the culmination of the age is when the bride is like the husband. Not just credited, is like him. We have really good things in store for you. But the truth is, that's... Next week, we still have to finish right here, right now. See, we've got a lot of good things to look forward to, but the better thing that we want you to focus on is what you must do right now. Those areas in your life that are Joab and need to be crucified, that need, that you actually need that suffering king, you need to look at what's going on there. Those areas of comparison, those areas of insecurity, those areas of your own prerogatives that you find so valuable, but the truth is, is they are perverse because they are keeping you from understanding, from getting rid of, from crucifying that Joab nature in you. We want you to focus on areas of your life that are moving beyond that crucified Joab. 
coming alive. And like Abishai, they need the provision of the shepherding king and the shepherds that he's given you. It is that time and it, it is that, that area of wanting to cry out for God's comfort. Cry out for his shepherding. Cry out for his provision. Lord, remind me that those who trust in you lack no good thing. Remind me that you are always there to provide for me green pastures and still waters. That you are the only one that I put my hope in because you are the only one that is my shepherding king. As we are at our closing and we're going to go back into worship, as I hear my brothers, I'm hearing that it's possible that there may be some traits inside of you that still need to be crucified. That's a good thing because you drug your cross through that door when you walked in with the commitment of denying yourself, taking it up, and following Jesus. I'm hearing also that there are some areas that, yes, you are being shepherded, but you know you need to follow better. You need to, it's, it's not that you haven't put it to death, it's that you haven't put into practice that which is life yeah. in the area. Yeah. And then, of course, there's Ittai. I hope it's the desire of every person in this room to receive Jesus in the most superior fashion that you can. Not just you, but your whole family. Not just your whole family, but all the men that God puts in your life. I hope that the superior king is beginning to move on your heart for regions of the world. You being an alien and a foreigner and included in the kingdom that is his. I hope there's a strong burden growing in you for all those aliens and foreigners that are still out there that need to be rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son he loves. The metamorphosis goes from self-absorption in Joab to shepherded in Abishai to legions of foreigners falling in love with an Israeli king in Ittai. That's the trajectory of this church. That's the trajectory of the families in this church. Because that's the metamorphosis that we're all going through. Would you stand to your feet? I'm asking, quite honestly, that you go beyond a commitment to crucify and you identify what's happened in your life this week, this month, that just... It shouldn't be a part of you. Did you need to appear better than you are? Did you push yourself forward in a conversation in a way that you now know is displeasing to the Spirit? Crucify it. Did you bring somebody else down to raise yourself up? Just get that Joab buried. Have you been given great advice and you know it's good advice and you want it and you want to be shepherded, but you're just having trouble putting one foot in front of the other? Get that right here at the altar. His very spirit will empower you to walk like Abishai. You need to develop a heart for the nations so that they see the superior king that you've received. These are the three areas of an altar call tonight. You can ask me to pray for your mother's, brother's, sister's dog, but I'm not going to. These three areas are where the Lord is focusing us, and they're going to grow and build. 
in the weeks to come, we're going to move on to the larger body of Christ, a larger mission, a prophetic message for the next decade. But if we don't get these three things right, I will just be teaching you to build websites and divide up my garments. You're being shepherded here. Take the time to get it right. Father, we're asking right here and right now that your good spirit would lead us. Lord, we are a people who is desperate for you. Lord, we know what we must do, but we often lack the strength to do it. And so we're asking for your Ruach to come and move upon us. Lord, we don't just want an emotional moment. We want your superior kingship in our lives. We love you and give you this time to move in us that we might minister before you.